Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. This is a special episode where I'm going to introduce to you a very good friend of mine and an expert in his field. And tonight we have a special announcement that me, Ross Lanigan, host of the My Love of Golf podcast, is branching out. So it's a big announcement for me personally, but none more so than the young man that I'm about to introduce to you as we give you some very good information about a new podcast that uh, we're supporting. So sit back, relax, enjoy this chat. My Love of Golf podcast episode, oh geez, 40 something now. So we must be serious about this. All right. Thanks for listening. Tune in. Jamie Glazier, welcome back to the My Love of Golf podcast. How are you? Ross, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, thank you, mate. Well, did, you, did you like say something about young fella? Before you, you called me a young fella? Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's great, thank you. Yeah, Appreciate no, that. No problems. You know, two of us sitting here, two young <laughs> fellas, two sprightly young lads. <laughs> two bald heads. <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're not keeping Mrs. My Love of Golf in business at the Boys on Seuss <laughs> Barbershop in Mount Eliza, I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Hey, um, thanks for joining us. And and as I said, we've got a special announcement. And as I said, welcome back. So you've joined me on the uh, My Love of Golf podcast once before when we um, talked about one of your clients um, who learned we can't really talk about in a in a public forum. But you know, she's a very successful young golfer who might have won a very big amateur tournament this year. So we you can tune in and, and listen to Jamie and I talk about that uh, young lady. So welcome back. But the reason why we're sitting here tonight is that you've got a very special announcement to make so what is that well after uh 12 months of you kicking my butt to uh get some more content out there i've decided to uh start my own podcast and i couldn't think of anyone better to co-host it than yourself um watching you know what you've done with the my lover golf podcast and and how great a job you've done and how successful that's been i uh i thought geez i might jump on the bandwagon here and uh hire your services very complimentary of you to say I've done a great job. I immediately <laughs> go back to sitting in a laneway in a Nissan Navara, you know, with a, a, a digital recorder pointed down at a, a car audio system with a microphone between my legs. Maybe you waited till we upgraded to this kit that we're sitting here this with. Is, in, this is impressive kit. In Dare to Dream Central and, uh, <laughs> you know, the studio, as I like to say. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great timing for you to release this podcast Um do you want to tell everyone what it's going to be called? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, the name of the podcast is the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, which uh, Dare to Dream is my business. Um, so yeah, obviously, as it suggests, it's uh, it's a podcast that really targets uh, the mental game of golf, and more importantly, I think targets the club level golfer, the recreational golfer, uh, the amateur golfer who maybe doesn't get as much or enough access to the mental part of the game. So, yeah, wanting to just bring that more to the masses and, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm really excited about it. Well, one of the things that became very clear to me and probably one of the reasons why, you know, if you put it kicking your butt, is that if that's how you felt, well, that's good because it's, you know, kicked you into some action, was that there's, there is not a lot of access to, to coaching at that level of performance or for that level of performance or discipline, yep. you know, the PGA pros around around the country do a fantastic job yep. in in coaching golfers of all levels, and um, but everyone knows, and it, it's widely spoken about. Whether you pick up a magazine, whether you read any content online about the the power of the mind in influencing performance in a golf environment, and you know, I, I just want to learn more about that. So, you know, that's the reason why I wanted you to be, you know, more in, more involved in this forum so i can tune in to yeah. you talking about uh golf performance in a mental level yeah. when i'm you know doing the commute into the city into the golf business yeah. now as it turns out 
I'm not going to have to worry about listening to you uh, in the car because I'm going to be sitting here doing it with you, which I'm absolutely wrapped about. I, I never thought that um, that you would ask me to help you with that, and I really do appreciate it. And I never thought that you know he would be sitting here 12 months down the track and 40-something episodes in, um, sitting on, on the uh, hosting two podcasts. So I personally am pumped about that because I know how much um, – this means to me on a, on a mind level, you know, if we're talking about yeah. mind, you know, me doing this is my creative outlet. It's my way of, you know, putting something out there and, and talking to whoever wants to listen. And I know there are plenty of people that do listen for whatever reason, but um, it's my creative outlet. And, and I find a little bit of motivation in that. I find a bit of inspiration in that. And for the fact that I'm going to be able to sit there and share this journey with you uh, has got me pumped to the next level. And I, I can't wait to what I learn just on a purely personal level. If I can help you by providing some case studies, you know, through my uh, own game, which you've seen in detail over the last 12 months, you could probably write yeah. a book on mental <laughs> mental mastery based on my performance and my golf game. Uh, um, if I can help in any way, that is a great thing for me. So for the listeners that don't know you, yep. tell us a little bit more about Jamie Glazier and the Dare to Dream business oh look i did dare to dream i it was started uh i think near on 20 years ago um i had a, a tennis academy i was a tennis coach prior to this business uh and then uh, i got into into mental performance so i think 17 years ago the dare to dream mental performance uh brand sort of started and i uh, was lucky enough to um to sort of get into golf pretty much straight off the bat that was you know i was a, a scratch golfer you know looking to turn pro and um, so I had a, a bit of a, a golf background and um, golf was a passion of mine and still is. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's worked with a lot of different sports through the years and over the last three or four years I've narrowed my uh, my clientele to golf. I'm, when I say I'm specifically golf only, I'd probably be 95% of my, my sort of business would be golf and um yeah, three years ago, um, three and a half years ago, I think it was, I was asked to uh, join the teaching staff at Royal Melbourne. Um, so Royal Melbourne uh, brought me on board. Uh, Richard Hat down there, the head pro, first golf club in Australia to hire a specific golf mental performance coach as part of the teaching staff. And um, the great thing about that for me is I can see members of Royal for sessions and I can see non-members of Royal. So anyone that plays golf can come to Royal Melbourne, uh, book a session in with me and begin to build uh, what I would suggest is an unbreakable mental game. That's that's my objective when I work with a client is to build a mental game that, that won't break down under any circumstance or situation that they will face depending upon what level they're at. But um, yeah, so I basically get to go to Royal Melbourne every day and stand on the range or take clients out on the course and be at the one of the best, if not the best, golfing properties definitely in Australia, if not the world. So pinch so me. How is that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've been down there to see, um, and I'll give a shout-out to Ollie Yorn from Fit Golf Australia, who I bumped into today at Peninsula Kingswood. Uh, yes, I need to come and see you again, Ollie. But but I had my uh, sessions there with Ollie down yep. there. It's, it's a good facility down there. It's, yep. it's really good. How did the members receive, you know, the bulletin that went out, the EDM that went out to the members saying, yeah. you know, we've got a mental performance coach on staff now, yeah. book a lesson through the pro shop, yeah. um, you know, see, yeah. you know, see Benny for, for more to, yeah. to learn more about Jamie's. What, what happened after that? Because yeah. I can imagine, I'm not pigeonholing the Royal Melbourne members. I, yeah, don't, I, yeah. know, I know a couple, but yeah. I can imagine that was a little different for them. Yeah, for sure, definitely. And look, it's um, I've been doing some, some ladies sort of, luncheons or ladies days and the feedback that uh that rich were getting from the ladies was you know that this is this is something they really want to get more access to so when that bulletin went out um it took a little while for the members to you know really i suppose grasp what it was but as soon as you have some sessions with members and you know you you have a positive impact on you know on their golf and and their enjoyment of the game as well that that feeds through a club like that, like wildfire. And you know, I was lucky enough to have a couple of sessions with some key members. Um, uh, well, you know, just one of the members, uh, you know, you know, 
been one of those real key members of the club for a long time. Um, you know, he ended up pl- playing a pennant match, um, an older guy, but came back to play pennant and uh, they threw him at number one in the last match of the season. Came down to his match against a pro uh, who had won a big, one of Australia's big events a few years ago. Um, was playing him in the last match, in the last round. He had to win or they were going to get relegated. And then he had a session with me two weeks prior and put some of those things into place and played one of the best rounds of his life, he said, and uh, um, wanted a statue of himself in the driveway of the club. <laughs> but, you know, that, 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 that conversation goes around that he had a session with me and that helped and all of a sudden people look at you a bit differently. So it's been three and a half years and it's uh, the members are fantastic. They love it. Um, I get I get called all sorts of names from, you know, the shrink to head man and um, it's just fun, you know. The, the members there are, are fantastic to work with and the club itself is, uh, is, is sensational. What impresses me about it is that they've let you bring other clients from outside of the Royal Melbourne member base in to be coached by you down there. Yeah, yeah. Now, had you said that to me, I w- you know, I wouldn't have believed you, but it's yeah. it's true. And Royal Melbourne is not what people perceive Royal Melbourne to be. Like this really high-end, private, exclusive club. Yes, it is. If you want to get in there, it's a 20-year waiting list if, you know, if, if you know enough people. Well, somewhere around there. But you drive through the gates... And you go into the pro shop, the staff in the pro shop, great people, welcome you with a smile. Um, members are great. Like it's, it's, it's just, it's such a great club, you know. And yeah, I went in there thinking maybe it was going to be a bit stuffy and whatever else and it, it couldn't have been further from the truth. It's, um, yeah, and they, they, they welcome everyone in there, um, you know, so it's, it, it is, it's great. So what's the breadth of clients that you've worked with? And obviously, we can't not you know breaching any any uh, confidentialities. We're not going to mention any names, but you know, from oldest to youngest, skill level to you know skill level. What what are sort of players that you're working with my in that environment? Probably my most memorable session I've had. I'll say in the last five years, but it could extend further than that. Was a, 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 an elderly gentleman at Royal Melbourne. I think he may be around eighty five. Books a session in. Um, I go to the range. He uh, he starts by telling me how he's read every single book about golf that's ever been written. He knows everything on golf psychology that could ever be known. And I basically stood there for an hour listening to him talk and learning lessons from him. He was about to go on a, I think it was like a six-week trip around the US playing some of the top 10 golf courses in the world. And he just wanted a 1% edge for that trip so he could take some money off the boys. He's, he's 85. Swings it really good. And the stuff that was coming out of his mouth, I was just listening going, I can't believe I'm privileged enough to be listening to this guy. Um, you know, I finally got toward the end of the session and there was a couple of th- points I made. I, I didn't speak much at all in, in an hour session but luckily I hit the mark on a couple of things. We finished the session. He didn't say a word for 15 minutes. He's just hitting balls. And then at the end of it he goes, I told you at the start of the session I knew everything there was to know about golf psychology. He goes, I lied. I just learned something new today. <laughs> and I would t- to me that was like unbelievable. And I get an email a couple of weeks later after his trip just saying how what we spoke about really helped him and he really enjoyed trying something new. Um, in 85, it was just, as I said, it's the most memorable session I've had in the last five years, if not longer, um, to a, you know, seven-year-old kid um, that's got all the ability in the world. Um, so I have everything in between. It's That's the thing I love about my job is no two clients are the same. Yeah. Um, I get to see... A raw beginner versus a top hundred player in the world—it's um—it's phenomenal. So it fits in very well to you know what you want to achieve out of this podcast is 
to bring something to club level golfers, you know, people like the ones you've just described, people like you and I, yep. who just want to get out there and play golf on a weekly basis, whether you get to play once a week, once a fortnight, twice a week or whatever, to be able to help them build their game and build some competency around mental performance and, you know, executing at a higher degree. Um, your background, so you mentioned psychology there, but what, yep. what's your... What what level of qualification have uh, yep. have you got that allows you to be able to talk uh, about this um, with such a degree of uh, efficacy? Um, so I've got uh, an uh, NLP master practitioner, so neuro linguistic programming. Um, so I, I have a, uh, a master's master practitioner uh, certificate in that, um, which I've had for probably seventeen eighteen years. Um, so and I've done that course again mm -hmm. just to keep uh, – obviously that's a long time ago. Uh, NLP was fairly new back then but um, it's now being – or probably the last 10 years is being regarded as the practical form of psychology. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that I really loved about it was how it broke down the human mind, um, you know, human behavioural patterns, psychology. It broke it down into a practical sense. Um, so that's what I really pride myself on is when I get a client coming to me I can, uh, you know, we can target an area in their mental game that we need to strengthen and I'll give them a couple of exercises to go away and work on to, to, to build that pattern. Um, so, yeah, so that's uh, that's my background. Um, you know, the background prior to that was an elite athlete that that mind got in the way of, uh, of achieving my full potential um, and it just happened too many times for me to take it and that's when I thought, well, I'm going to research the human mind. I, I saw, you know, some sports psychs back when I was competing and, just felt like I there was something missing and I needed more and that's what drove me to research and study and ultimately start the business. So, um, yeah. It's an area that's interesting to me, you know, NLP. I know I've only experienced NLP in a business environment, you know. It's yeah. very um, uh, a prevalent concept in business coaching yeah. and, and I've experienced it through there. So, you know, when you told me about your background and that, you know, obviously my interest was peaked and, you know, as a, as a former trainer myself and a coach, you know, of coaching people in, in, uh, in sales and marketing environments, you know, my sort of disposition is towards coaching. Yep. You know, I probably would have, should have, could have, you know, been a pro if I had my, if I had my druthers again and time again yep. because I do like that coaching. I probably never would have played at a high level but I love the coaching part of it. So, yep. you know, if I can offer anything in that, you know, it's, you know I understand that coaching, from yep. more so from a business sense, not golfing, yep. but, um, you know, Coach to coach, I guess you could say. Hopefully, yeah. um, no, not hopefully. I'm confident that we can put something great together. Yeah. Um. You've you've spent a bit of time on tour. You know, you've had some great experiences that I've watched you, and for people that have followed you, you know, I've seen you, you know, bobbing up at tournaments around the world yeah. in the last eighteen months or so. Where is mental performance coaching? at the elite level. Does everyone have a mental performance coach? Is it something that's still very fairly new out there? Um, no, it's not new. I would say a lot of people a lot of people have one. Um, there are the, the players, some players that just that don't, um, which is which is fine. Um, but yeah, a lot of people do have it. And I think for years, even you know, back when I was sort of competing or when I was a tennis player, you know, mental performance training or sports psychology consulting, generally it's it's our perception is only for the elite player and it's the elite player that, that goes out to find it. But over the last three and a half years of working at Royal and, and getting access to more club-level golfers, I've seen the importance of mental performance training on them because of the stress and anxiety that golf can trigger within us um, and the, the negative, impact, negative impact that has them in their enjoyment for the game. So, you know, my... My main emphasis here is to guide club-level golfers around how they can actually start to manage stress and anxiety, create a bit of a healthier relationship with some of that element of the game. And, um, you know, once they do that, their engagement in the game is going to be greater um, and ultimately their engagement in the club that they play at is going to be greater. Um, and golf's a great game for people's mental health. You know, we, we funnily call our... Wednesday morning rounds, Wellness Wednesday, and so often we laugh about three or four holes in, you know, one of the boys has is, is had a wipe and he's in the corner berating himself and I'm like, oh, Wellness Wednesday, hey? And, you know, we'd have a dig at ourselves, but 
that's just the game. You know, it's we're competitive and um, it sparks a different part of us. I hadn't given too much thought to, you know, the Wellness Wednesday, uh, hashtag Wellness Wednesday. Yeah. And feel free to use that, anyone, if you're listening out there. Hashtag yep. Wellness Wednesday if you do get to play golf on a Wednesday. Yep. I get to play golf on a Wednesday because I work on the weekend. Um, <laughs> Jamie uh. gets to play golf on a Wednesday because he works whenever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, but when I thought about Wellness Wednesday a little bit deeper, yep. it actually changed my perception about golf and what I was – lucky enough to be able to be doing yeah. on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, yeah. It, and funnily enough, when I think back about my journey in the last 12 months, if we probably started playing golf more so in the last 12 months or so, yeah, I'd have to say that my enjoyment level for the game has increased. Now, typically for me, I was always someone that held myself very accountable to the end result. And if I didn't get the result that I was expecting of myself... You that, failed. ...that I failed. And that would you know, define my week one way or the other. And I can even go back a bit further, you know. So back to my time at Mercedes-Benz in, in their head office. Now, my shtick was that everyone knew that I was the golf guy. There, wasn't many, yeah. there weren't many golfers in the office, but everyone knew that I, on the weekend, on Saturday, had played golf. Yeah. And basically, you know, the Monday morning meeting was, you know, started by the discussion, oh, how was golf on the weekend, Ross? You know, thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, yeah. And... And it was like everyone knew that if it was thumbs down, that you know, I was look out. I was going to be filthy. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, consciously, subconsciously, I probably worked out that that's that wasn't a great way to be. But since the Wellness Wednesday part of, you know, hashtag Wellness Wednesday, feel free to use it. <laughs> um, I've stopped equating my results to how I'm going to enjoy the rest of the day. Um, I notice that when I go home, uh, I don't get the question about how did you go anymore. Yeah. From this is my love of golf. Yeah. And I don't dwell on it. Yeah. If I look back through my um, handicap records, I probably had the best run of handicap you know, reductions. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Than in the last ten. Yeah. You know, I got down as low as two point something this year. Yeah. I'm probably at four point something now. Yeah. And been able to maintain that. Yeah. I haven't played off seven or eight or nine, which I have done in previous years. Yeah. And I hadn't really thought about it until we just started talking now because uh, we've not really spoke about that before. Must be something in it, surely. Well, I, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, when we when we strip it back, like, like why do we play golf? Like, wh- when I ask that to, to clients, like, why do you play? And their first response as a club golfer is, because it's fun and I love it. I'm like, well, don't let that fun and love go. Don't let that fun and love be dependent upon whether you have a four for three or whether you have 36 points or whether you're off X handicap. The, the, the game of golf itself is what we fall in love with, which is the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and the, oh, my God, I got that plugged under the lip. How crazy is that? Like just golf's the craziest game there is. The more you realise that, accept that, that's why we love it, the more we can actually deal with deal with it well when it is crazy because it is crazy. Like it's just – but, you know, I think put it in perspective too, like w- w- what is – there's enough stress in our lives outside the golf course. Like so for some people, golf is their getaway from life. Like the stress and anxieties and pressures of the real world, they go to golf to escape that. We don't need any more stress on the golf course. That's you know not what, what it's for. Um, so, yeah. That's interesting because, and this is, you know, we haven't, we haven't, there's no notes sitting in front of us. We haven't pre-planned any of this. We just thought we'd have a chat and announce that, you know, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast is going to be coming live soon and we're both part of it. But just on that point, and I reflect back to my recent trip to Scotland and, um, you know, everyone's listened to the various podcasts that I've produced about Scotland. I got a lot of questions from customers and friends and, and whatever else about score. Mm-hmm. And... I distinctly remember going to Craigie Law Golf Club where I'm a, pr- a proud international member and I rocked in, said, G'day, Ross, from Australia. I paid my dues. Oh, 
the guy behind the counter says, yep, there's your envelope. It's got your membership tag in it and uh, toilets are over that way, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, are there any games going? It was a Saturday. It was a monthly medal, the medal. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, we've got one at 11.38 with uh, two boys out there, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. I said, cool. So I rocks out at the first tee. Weirdly enough, there was another Australian accent in, in East Lothian in Scotland. And, uh, and we start playing, and I'm playing in their monthly medal. And they do take it very, very serious. Yeah. And I didn't have a, I don't have a British handicap, so I couldn't play in the comp, but I started scoring. And I got to some point in that round, and it's just, I just, not because I lost the ball or anything, but I just stopped scoring. Yeah. And I made a decision then, I'm on holidays, this is a break, I'm still playing a lot of golf. Yeah. I'm not going to score. Yeah. I'm not going to keep score. Yeah. I'm just going to look out to the water, yep. look across to over there where St Andrews is, yep. and I'm just going to play golf and look at the blue sky yep. and watch the birds and watch these guys play golf and enjoy it. Yep. Played Muirfield. Yep. First question was, someone, how'd you go at Muirfield? So yep. Yeah, it went really well. Yep. What'd you shoot? What'd you shoot? Yeah, I don't know. Why didn't keep score? What do you know? I didn't keep score. I had some pars yeah. and I birdied the... Uh, the par three up the hill, and I made a great par on the last, but I don't know what I shot because yeah. I lost the ball here and I didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a good thing to do? Well, it's interesting because everyone plays golf for different reasons. Mm. And I've come back to the game after a long 10 or 12 years away, last four or five years. I first came back, I had a handicap of 1.5 because, stupidly enough, my one of my first three rounds to put in for my handicap I shot one over par and I had 24 putts. Now, I hit the ball like a 10 marker. So my first handicap when I come back is one because of that one round of golf. I, I could never play to that. So but the last probably three years, I have had personally zero competitiveness in golf. I'm just back playing. I don't care if I lose a ball. I don't care if I have a wipe. You know, I... I just love playing golf for the banter, the fun with the boys and just what golf is. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's different. Um, sometimes people do step away from comps or from scoring because, one, it's too much for them. They, they're putting too much stress and pressure on themselves. So they step away and just go play without scoring to fall in love with the game again. But I think if you know if people always keep the love of the game at the forefront, then scoring just is either irrelevant, mm. um, or you don't place as much importance on it. And that way, then if you don't pl place as much importance on the outcome, then also the outcome doesn't have control over you. So um, you know. You, probably would have played some fantastic golf while you're away and more importantly you probably would have had as much fun as you've had on a golf course in a hell of a long time. I did manage to play in a group. We, I played one competitive game. It was a three-man Ambrose, 3v3, six, yep. six playing Yeah. against uh, the owner of the Renaissance Club. Now, you went to the Renaissance Club this year, so yep. I, was playing, yep. I was playing in the group yep. against Jerry Savardi. Right. And uh, I get up to the lunch table and there's Jerry Savardi's 20, 20 quid. I'm here playing yeah. at his bloody golf course and he's, yeah. playing at he's, 20 playing. <laughs> he's playing at 20 quid. So I got one. I did get one win for, for helping contribute towards the score. Even then I didn't keep the score. The other guys kept the score. I just hit the big drives. But How was, cool is that though? It was great fun. Yeah. It, it, it was great fun. So, mate, I think there's plenty to offer through a series of podcasts. What else um, do you offer through the suite of Dare to Dream? services what, how else can we you know if someone wanted to take up your services how yep. do they how do they do that yep um well i've got um obviously the podcast which will be launching um you know in the next week or so um but uh there'll be video programs on my website so dare to dream.com.au uh dare to dream with the number two um if you if you jump on there and log in or sign up to the website, um, you'll get access to uh, a free video program which will hopefully launch by the uh, end of November. Um, that also gives you contact details on, on how to contact me uh, in regards to one-on-one -on -one sessions. So I offer one-on-one -on -one sessions at Royal Melbourne 
Um, I also offer one-on-one Skype or uh, or phone sessions for interstate or overseas clients. Um, so on-course sessions, short game putting, you name it, um, anything to do with golf uh, and mental performance, um, I can uh, I can do that. I do a lot of seminars, sort of pennant seminars for for clubs. I'm heading up to Royal Sydney Golf Club to do another sort of workshop with the members up there. Um, so I went, was up there about five years ago and delivered a big seminar to 400 of the members. Um, so heading back there in a couple of weeks. Uh, so Fantastic. yeah, so clubs can get me in to to provide seminars and workshops to to their members to um, yeah help uh, help that part of the game. I can feel a roadshow coming on. <laughs> or the roadshow. <laughs> I can feel a, a golf mental mastery tour to, to Scotland. Uh, I can feel a roadshow. Uh, no, no, it's it's. Great. <laughs> uh, oh, you're laughing at me, I know. But um, mate, it's it's great to be part of it. And I, as I said, I think it's going to offer a, a lot to a lot of golfers that um, you know do listen to podcasts. It's a great way to learn. You know, I've new at podcasting a year in. And it was really listening to other people's podcasts that got me excited about delivering one. Yeah. But uh, I continue to to listen to several podcasts on on a wide range of topics. You know, there's some golf ones, some business ones, some personal performance ones uh, that I listen to, and every week I get something out of those. So, yeah. you know, if we, you know, in doing this together, can offer that level of insight or that level of inspiration to someone. I think it's a it's a great legacy out there in the internet world that people can listen to and help this great game that we both love. Yeah, no, it's look, I'm I'm really excited about it, and I think importantly too, mental game content specific to elite players very different mm. to what's specific to the club golfer. So that's where you know, unfortunately, most of the content is driven through that elite platform. Uh, specific to the elite platform so we're going to bring some stuff that's you know relevant and relative to uh club golfers mid to high handicap golfers and um yeah i think that's uh it's a missing link at the moment i think super exciting times and looking forward to that now moving on to golf closer to home and we're in the absence of Rocket tonight, uh, he uh, he was otherwise engaged, but we had to record this and get it out because it was exciting news to put out. But President's Cup coming up fairly mm, soon. Yep. At Royal Melbourne. Yeah. Is anyone yeah is anyone you know seeking you out for a bit of inside information there? No, no, I haven't. Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I. Would fall off my chair if I ever <laughs> if I got contacted by any of the uh, any of the, the players or um, no look it's it's going to be a great event the course is looking fantastic the the clubs the, all the stands are being put up now and it really looks like it's um, there's a big event coming so um, looking obviously I don't think Tigers made his captain selections yet. We're waiting for any any any, any moment. Yeah, you know, I'm expecting that by the time you start listening to this, that the captain's selections have been announced. Yeah, but he's he's you'd he's, have to. He's in for sure. I think when he said the other day at the uh, when was it the skins in Japan? Yeah, yeah, you know, and obviously every time there's any level of press conference, you know, Tiger, you're going to pick yourself for the President's Cup. And I think his response yeah. was, "The player caught the captain's eye today." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, after he won that event, have to be. Yeah, have to be. You know, no, they. I'm not a gambling man, but I'd bet my house on the fact that he's playing. Okay, well, I would. I would too. And <laughs> if I was, uh, yeah, Daniel Andrews, I'd be. I'd be. I'd be saying. You know, I'd be sending a message through to Tiger saying, yeah. you know, Daniel. I mean, Tiger, you know, whatever it takes. Oh. <laughs> the key to the city, the key to the country. Visit Victoria's got you backed. Yeah, yeah. Nah. So, uh, but anyway, it, it's going to be awesome to yeah. uh, to see the President's Cup down there. Your home coaching turf, Royal yeah. Melbourne. I played there recently, as most of the people know, and uh, it's a spectacular venue. And, um, you know, to see it in full tournament geese again will be very, very good. Um, do you have any... Any tips? You know, any anyone that you think that might be those captains' picks? Um, look, I think there's, uh, I think a couple of Asian uh, guys, Ben An and Sung Jae Im, 
Mm-hmm. I think they've had a really solid year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them get a selection. Mm-hmm. Um, J-Day. Uh, is, sh- is, J- is J-Day a lock? You would think possibly being obviously an Aussie. Um, but with, with Adam. Yeah. Leash. You would th- Cam. You would think so, but. I don't know. Th- obviously, there's a lot of other factors go into it than, uh, than you know, what we would probably know. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to say sure. that J-Day's got to be in. Yeah. What about uh, Wahin Neiman? Yeah, a very exciting talent. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just – I'm not sure he's got much experience with – Sandbell golf and this type of golf, um, but hard to go. Hard to go. I mean, hard to go past probably any of the five or six that names are being thrown in the mix as captain's picks because it's the depth of golf at the moment is phenomenal. When you're in Europe this year, did you see any of uh, Eric Van Ruyen? Um, I did a little bit. Um, when was it and where? I'm trying to remember. I'm not sure whether. Uh, Herbie was either paired with him. They know one another quite well. They've played some practice rounds together. I think they played, they have played some tournaments together. But I weren't at those events. Um, but yeah, nice guy, good confidence about him. So you know, I want to see Eric Van Royen in. I know the jogpers because he because he'd get to wear he'd be legitimately allowed to wear the jodpers. Yeah, at Royal Melbourne. Yeah. I can't imagine that the, those things are on the uh, uh, the permitted. Uh, I think Warwick <laughs> might have uh, something to say about that. I, I'd like to see Warwick just uh, stop him at the gate. Sorry, sir, they're not allowed. <laughs> That'd be nice. No, I, he, it's a good look uh, that he's rocking. Um, I wish I could carry it myself, but <laughs> maybe a few years past. Uh, what about the US team? So we've got the likes of Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, Gary Woodlands. Let's say Tiger Woods is a lock. Yep. Um, Patrick Reed and Kevin Nah. You're picking the captain's picks, so you've got three to go outside of Tiger. Mm. Pino, in? He deserves it, yeah. yeah. I mean, they all deserve it. Ricky. Um, Ricky or Patrick Reed? Well, it's, I'm, I'm making my decision not based on who's a better golfer. I'm basing it on who I like more and also probably who's more of a crowd favourite. But is that not important, you know, in a team environment? I think it is. I think so it I'm, is. So I'm suggesting that you're going with Ricky Fowler. No. No, oh. no, I am. No, I'm <laughs> right. joking. No, I am. But, I mean, Patrick Reed's obviously a phenomenal golfer. Um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Ricky, so um, I'd love to see Ricky in that team and um, the energy that he brings to a sporting event like the President's Cup would be, would, would be great. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd certainly be uh, a pick that the – be a crowd favourite yeah. and yeah. would draw that extra, you know, patronage factor in and, and just For sure. It'd make Royal Melbourne unmovable. You know, yeah. you wouldn't you know it's kind of fill the place. Yeah. What about um, Kevin Nah, Gary Woodland? Mm, again, two really I, I'm a big fan of Gary Woodland. Mm. Um, although saying that I I'm the more I'm learning and sort of getting to learn or know about Kevin Nah, the more I appreciate Kevin Nah. Mm. Bit of a quirky cat and yeah. a bit different. And I think the last sort of eight, two years or so, he's probably showed more of himself as a person. Yep. And I think it's pretty quirky and I quite like it. Um, I don't know, Gary Woodland's, uh, I, I think he's he'd be great. He'd be really good to watch. Well, both those players have featured in discussions with Rocket and myself in the in the podcast uh, in the past, and more, most recently Kevin Nah, and you know really did focus on that turnaround on him as you know really reviving his you know personal brand, I guess yeah. if you want to call these guys a per, uh, their own brands within yeah. a brand, um, and he's done a great job on on that. Uh, he seems to be very well loved in the locker room, yeah, you know, by the yeah. team, by yeah. The, um, yeah. But Gary Woodland, you know, if you if you want to turn a team into full beast mode, and yeah, you've got yeah. Brooks Kepka and yeah. his body clone, you know, Gary Woodland, yeah. you know, fairly intimidating guys to come up against on the first tee, you know, when they're just out muscling you. Yeah, you know, Gary's a really well respected, really nice guy. Yeah. Like, lucky enough to play a practice round with him at Augusta, um, uh, two thousand twelve, maybe. 
um, with Bryden McPherson yep. when I caddied for him there. Um, just such a really nice guy. Um, I've actually got a set of the Wilson staff blades coming sometime this week because of Gary. Obviously, he won, you know, um, using them and uh, they're a great-looking iron, but um, I've just got this sort of image in my head that I can hit a two-iron like he can, so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm waiting to see. Well, they may have arrived today, so I got a message as I was um, driving here, so <laughs> they may be popping in. Maybe I'll find that I can't hit a two-iron <laughs> like Gary a lot sooner than well, I thought. We can, we can report back <laughs> next time on, on the podcast, uh, uh, yeah. e- either one of which, this one or the Mental Mastery Golf po- Podcast. Put that uh, in your little book of uh, podcasts to listen to. Yeah, Gary Woodland, what a, what a spectacular player he is. Winning with the Wilson Blades and UFGs. Yeah. People, people talk about... Wilson product, a Wilson blades, and and they're not sure, you know, they don't know Wilson the Wilson staff brand, and, yep. and and we've talked about gear, and we'll talk about Wilson for a bit a bit in here, but um, they don't know the Wilson staff brand. It's a brand with so much history. Yeah, you know, back when you were a junior, yeah, back when I was a junior yep. playing junior tournaments up in the Hunter Valley at the Jack Newton against Shane Tate, Gabriel Hertzstedt, Mark yep. Hensby, and all of those guys. Yeah, and that's my era. Yeah. If you didn't have a set of Wilson blades with fu- fluid feel hozzles in yeah, your bag, yeah. y- you weren't winning. Yeah, yeah. That's how long. And uh, yeah, I've got a set of FG fifty sevens in my office, which yeah, um, they're old. That's how long Wilson. So you're bagging. You're going to about to bag a set of Wilsons. Yeah, and I'm so excited. I cannot wait to put them in the bag. I Wilson for me. I used to be a tennis player years ago. So let's say thirty years ago, as a fifteen year old tennis player. Wilson staff, you mm. know, like you know, Pete Sampras and Wilson's been a huge name and, and for golf especially, their golf balls are very, I, I don't know if I could use the word underrated, but I love their golf balls and I've loved their golf balls for probably the last 10 years. So um, in America, the, the brand's huge. Yeah. You know, it's everywhere. So, mate, I'm going to suggest that the captain's picks for the US team are going to be Fowler, Woodland, Woods, and Finau. That's my. That's who I'm going with. Okay. All right. That's good. I'll probably go with you on that one. And you can pick Australia. Uh, not the Australia. The internationals. Who are you, who who are, um, who are they? Who are the captains? Picks okay. Like? So I'll pick um, Ben Arn. Right. I'll pick Jason Day. Mm-hmm. And I'll pick Corey Connors. Okay, he was in. He was in there. Yeah, as a, as just a bit of an outsider, uh-huh. he's um he's had a really good year and. So one more. One so more. Are you going uh, ne- Neiman or Van Ruyen? Mm. I'll, I'll go Van Ruyen. Right. Okay. Yeah, because Ernie's. Ernie's yeah, South I'll, African I'll, pick. Yeah, okay. I'll go that. That'd be a good. That'd be a good pick. Well. Unless there's anything else, I think, uh, you know, we won't go on too much about the PGA Tour. Rory McIlroy won last week. Fantastic. Tiger won at the, uh, the um, when did Tiger win? Japanese. Japanese. The, the oh, Zozo. Yeah, the Zozo. Yeah. Rory won, what did he win? HSBC. Yeah. Yeah. The discussion that's around is, a, is Rory the best golfer I- in the moment? Um, you know, if Rocket was on the line, I know what he'd be, he'd be calling. What does he call him? The, uh, it's a Star Wars reference. Uh, the the uh, anyway, <laughs> I can't I can't go on with rockets. Uh, we need rocket here. He's not here. Um, yeah, Rory. Rory is he the best golfer in the world at the moment? Is he is he going to be? Is he the best golfer? Is he better than Brooks Kepka? I have to wait and see. Um, what else, ladies? We mentioned the ladies. Yeah, yeah. You, um, you, you love you like Nelly Nelly Corda had a win, um, which was great. Her her second win and from. I believe I watched a little bit of it coming in. She was leading by quite a few and then uh, missed some shortish putts coming in and, and was in a playoff with um, Minji Lee and, oh, I can't quite recall the other girl's name now for some stupid reason. Oh. Anyway. I'm, um, just, I'm, just looking, oh. I'm just looking it up here. There's one thing that I wanted to um, talk to Rocket he, if he was here, but he's not. Did you pick up on the stuff with um, the rules controversy with Christina Kim? Oh, uh, I did a little bit. Um, so, 
do you know I, I know what the context was it was a Q school someone in her group a caddy in her group asked someone else what club they hit mm. so a caddy asked another player or another player's caddy what club they hit and obviously that's not in the rules mm-hmm. and um, yeah pretty much as soon as the round was over Christina brought it up and um, yeah, I believe that was what the dis- the ruling was. So she's been lauded yep. and berated yep. for that. Yeah. And then Why would she be not, not long after was then applauded and supported mm-hmm. and I think that has been a lot stronger than the initial berating that was going on. But it was just she did absolutely the right thing and um, she's a uh, – I was – Lucky enough to spend a couple of holes with her last year at the Vic Open, and what a yeah. she's such a cool cat. Yeah. She's so nice. She is what golf needs, and yeah, she's you know obviously the f- due to the fact she's back at a Q school, you know, like her her game isn't probably where it was you know a number of years ago when she was you know yeah. in that upper echelon of of golfers. But yeah, I also got to experience Christina Kim's company at the Vic Open, where yeah. after the pro am, yeah, uh, we were put at the same table as her so her group okay. her group um was at the same table as uh me and my group i played with jorge campio yep. um jorge was unfortunately unable to spend uh the time with the group at the lunch but christina kim was more than happy to join her playing partner so we shared a table with them and it was like the entertainment for the afternoon yeah yeah you know, she just kept us entertained yeah and all she wanted to do was to make sure that everyone was okay she knew every player every person at the table's name, name. yeah she just wanted to get to know where i was from where yep. the guy next to me was from who we did what we did and why we were there and yep. how did we play more importantly what did we think of the course what yep. did we think of the event and it was an in, an enjoyable afternoon yeah and golf so, golf needs more people like that at that level like she is an absolute superstar um, on and off the course. So, um, yeah, look, it's it's great to see the support come out after that initial yeah. response. And um, she's a strong she's a strong person. She doesn't take any shit, and she'll just she knows what she's done is the right thing to do. What, ha- what happens on tour with players looking in other players' bags? So, what is not permitted is you know obviously most of us listening know the rules of golf you can't ask someone what club they hit yeah yeah but you can walk up and look in someone's bag yeah what, ha- what happens I, out there on tour i'm not a hundred percent percent sure on the rule of can you look in other person's bag generally there's like an unwritten sort of code between the caddies that they sort of give a little bit of a they might flash the club to the other caddy for example as they're cleaning it or putting it back in the bag they'll just flash the number to them and um why would they do that well it's just i think it's just what they do i think it's just a support sort of thing you support one another just because even though it's it's interesting even though the players are competing against one another ultimately they're competing against the golf course Mm. um so you know a lot of the a lot of the caddies help one another there's a really great support network around on tour and, and and a lot of the players you know are there to um, obviously they're there to win and, and compete, but they're also there to help one another yeah. um, because it's... So like part of the show. Well, yeah, yeah, it's part of the show, but also, you know, life on tour is not what everyone perceives it to be. So these guys travel and, and the girls travel week to week to week to week to week that the other players and caddies become part of their family. So and it's really close knit. Some of the groups on tour are just so close knit, um, and it helps them to survive, you know, during the ups and downs. So it's um, so I think that's why they they do that. If there's a caddy that they maybe didn't like, or maybe they wouldn't flash the club to them. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really 100 percent sure on that exact ruling when it comes to walking over, looking in the bag, or but um, yeah. Now, mate, you glanced over one little bit that you mentioned. So just in closing, and, and if there was a reason you know, or more evidence of why people should tune into the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, if you get access to someone that's caddy for someone around the Masters, yep. around Augusta, yeah, I think that, that elevates the credibility factor even more so. So, you know, we could dedicate a whole podcast to you 
talk, uh, talking about your experiences at Augusta. We won't do that now, but I'll just leave that with everyone that my man here, Jamie. I'm Blaze. pretty sure we won't do that in the future either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, well, Augusta, I forgot you were caddy for Brighton down there. Yeah, it was. Um, I've been ridiculously fortunate to get to go to some of the events that I've gotten to, and um, yeah. But as I said, this. This podcast is for the club golfer. Um, it's going to help them to enjoy the game more and uh, at the same time shave strokes off their handicaps. So uh, looking forward to getting getting that started. Mate, I think on that note, we'll sign off. I'm looking forward to joining you and helping you and thank you once again for allowing me to be part of that journey. It's an exciting time for you, the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. You can follow Jamie at Jamie underscore glazier so it's j-a-m-i-e underscore g-l-a-z-i-e-r and that's the dare to dream um instagram page yep what else yep. where else can we get you ah uh, dare to dream.com.au um sign up to the newsletter sign up to the uh yeah sign up to the website you get uh, newsletters and um and obviously uh access to the free video program shortly um and uh Hopefully during the summer months you probably catch me at a pub somewhere having a cold beer after a round of golf. So, um. Absolutely. And if you ever want to come down to Peninsula Kingswood, you know, like you know, that might be able to happen too for uh, – maybe maybe we'll bring a listener down there at one stage That'd as part of a, a live case study. That would be great. Excellent. Mate, thanks again. And until next time we meet on the My Love of Golf podcast, thank you for tuning in. As always, it's growing and it's growing due to those of you that – like, subscribe, but more importantly, share. Sharing is a way to share the message that we're bringing to you, share Jamie's message, share my message, and help grow the podcast because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow the game of golf. No, no I don't like saying grow the game of golf. We're trying to grow the podcast by you know providing golf content for the masses. And uh, we enjoy doing it, and we hope you enjoy listening. So until next time, the My Love of Golf podcast, thanks for listening. That's it for us. <laughs>